I remember the greatest birthday party that I ever went to. It was amazing. It was a 12-year-old birthday party, and everybody was there. Like, all the friends were there. All the family was there. The aunts and uncles were there. The cousins were there. The grandparents were there. Everybody was there. Everybody. We played baseball, all of us, this group of friends, and so we played baseball at the birthday party. We threw baseball. We hit baseball. We hit cars with baseballs. We really did. Played basketball as well. We dribbled basketballs. We shot basketballs, and we hit cars with basketballs. We all brought our bikes. We built ramps, and we would go down this huge hill, and we'd ramp off, and we would try to land. Sometimes we did. Sometimes we didn't. A lot of wrecks. There was a campfire. It was huge, huge campfire. And I remember because there was a guy named Jason, and Jason was, uh, you know, roasting his marshmallows. But what he was doing was he had a stick that had the flexibility of a crappie rod, okay? And so he would get that marshmallow burning, and then all of a sudden you'd see him back up. He'd just throw it off into the field. I'm surprised he didn't burn the place down, to be honest with you. It was hilarious. Then we had cake. You, you can't have a birthday party without birthday cake, right? And the cake was good. There was a lot of cake because there were a lot of people there. And then it came time to open up presents. And the, the little boy, he started opening up presents, one from an aunt, one from a grandparent, one from a friend. And this took a while because I don't know if you know this or not, but everybody was there, right? A lot of people there. And then it came time for him to open up his present from his parents, you know, he was thinking, I wonder what I'm going to get. You know, this is a big deal, a big birthday, you know, 12 years old. I'm becoming a man today, right? And his parents gave him a manila envelope. And he said, what is it? They said, well, open it up. He said, well, what is it? And they said, open it up. So he, he opened it up. And when he pulled out the letter inside, it was, looked all legal. He said, what is it? They said, look at your name. Look at your name. And that's when he saw it. He saw his name written in a way he had never seen it written before. And in that moment, he realized he had been adopted by his dad. His mother had been married before. Horrible relationship. And God had sent a godly man into their life. And on his 12th birthday, he was adopted. Greatest birthday party I've ever been to. In that moment when that young boy realized that he had been adopted, he jumped into the air and screamed. The whole place erupted. People were cheering. People were crying. There was a dog outside this window. I think the dog was crying. Like everybody was crying. You know, aunts and uncles had ugly cries. It was just an amazing moment. I'll never forget it. You see, that's what happens, though, when... You and I experience Ephesians 1.5. When we experience Ephesians 1.5, when we realize that God's plan has been that we would be adopted, that we were adopted to himself as sons. That word sons, there is a legal term, meaning we are legal heirs with God in that moment. We are recipients of all of his blessing and we carry his name. We carry a new name. He says that we have been adopted to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, through what Jesus has done. You see, in this moment when we realize 
what God has done for us by bringing us into his family, that's the moment that the fears in life begin to evaporate. You and I, we walk around with some common fears, even though we, we would not, you know, most of the time we don't tell people what they are, but we live with the fear of being unwanted. Does anybody really want to have a relationship with me? We live with a fear of rejection. Am I always gonna get picked last, right? We live with a fear of abandonment. Are, are, are those who I think love me, are they really gonna hang in there with me through life, especially when life gets a little hard on my end, or are they gonna leave me? But in this moment, when we realize, when we experience Ephesians 1.5, when we come to that place where we have been adopted by the Father through what Jesus has done, all those fears evaporate. They go away. And Easter reminds us it reminds us of the links that God has gone to to bring us into his family. It reminds us this holy week that we've been walking through of all the pain that Jesus went through all the way to the cross and then in the tomb. It reminds us how much God loves us and that we're not just welcomed in God's family. Oh, no. Not just welcome. Like if we show up, you know, God just kind of says, oh, well, come on in. You know, good to see you. No, no, no. He wants us to be in his family, desperately wants us to be in his family. You know, we've been in a series on prayer. And throughout this series, we've used the image of God opening doors and God closing doors. And you may have saw all the, the doors that are out in the atrium that Jared painted and Jordan painted and Jonathan painted and whoever else helped paint those. Thank you for doing that. And so many times when we think about prayer, we think about it in these terms. Is God going to open a door, close a door? And we pray for God to open up certain doors in our life. We want a new job or a promotion or something to happen with our family or with our kids or grandkids. So we pray those prayers. God, will you open these doors? Or there, there are some doors we say, God, you, you need to close this door in my life. And there are times when we want a door to open and it, it just doesn't open. And the truth is, as we have admitted in this series, there are times when God just says no. Or he says not right now, or he says maybe later. And we wrestle with that and we struggle with that. But there's one prayer that God will always say yes to. And it's the prayer when we ask him to come into our life. Would you come and be Lord of my life? Would you be my savior? When we pray that kind of prayer, God always answers that kind of prayer. But this is a little tricky because a lot of times we're asking God to open doors that are closed for us. But when it comes to praying this kind of prayer, maybe this is a door that we have to actually open. A little history here. You know, Fraser has not always been Fraser. We adopted the name Fraser in 1937, actually. But the church is much older. It goes back to Holt Street, started as a Sunday school movement in Montgomery, and then established as Clayton Street Methodist Episcopal Church South. All right? So that's a mouthful. And then uh, after uh, a few years with that name, in 1937, we got the name Fraser. It was named after a superintendent in the Montgomery area. And then in 1968, we relocated from Clayton Street in downtown out here to a cotton patch. Now, the interesting thing about that, and the reason why I want you to know that little bit of history is because I have a door with me. This door was the original door that you would go through to go into worship at the Clayton Street Church. 
1898. It's on loan to us from a member of our church, T.J. Williford. I have no idea how he found it, but this is the door. And I was thinking about this door. I was thinking about how many times over the years, 70 years of worship took place there. How many times worshipers would walk through this door to go in to worship? Not only that, not only that, there came a day when this door opened and closed for the last time. And sometimes that's our experience in life. We go through things in life, it seems like God is opening doors, but sometimes God closes doors, and again, we struggle with this. We wrestle with this. But sometimes God wants to close one door in your life so that he can open another door in your life. If we go back in time a little further, from 1898 back to 1851, and if we went to a place called London, England, we would meet a guy named Holman Hunt. Holman Hunt painted a painting called The Light of the World. It's on the screen right now. This painting has become very famous around the world. It's really interesting because you see Jesus knocking on a door. The door is overgrown with weeds, meaning this, this door has not been open for quite a while. And Jesus is standing there at the door, and he's knocking. Now, this painting was on tour. They were taken around, and people were looking at it, and large crowds would come and see it. And one day, someone called out in a large crowd, and they said to Mr. Hunt, they said, Mr. Hunt, there's a flaw in the painting. And he's thinking, no, there's not. He said, where's the flaw in the painting? They said, Mr. Hunt, there's no doorknob on the door. And Mr. Hunt said, no, 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 that's intentional. There's only one doorknob, and that doorknob's on the inside. He said, you see... We have to open the door and let Christ in. While we pray for God to open doors for us all the time, there's this one important door that we have to make sure we open. And that is the opening the door to let Christ come into our life, to dwell within us. You see, this painting that Holman Hunt painted, it, it was uh, the inspiration for it was Revelation 3.20. Revelation 3.20 is where Jesus says to the church in Laodicea, he said, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone hears my voice, let me come in and I will eat with them and them with me. See, what Jesus is saying to us is, I will open doors through prayer in your life. There's many doors that he'll open. God is saying yes right now all around the planet to prayers that are being prayed. So there's one door that you and I have to open. That is open the door to let him come in. The question is, is do we feel him knocking? Do we feel him knocking? I'll tell you about the greatest birthday party I ever went to. It was a 12-year-old birthday party. It was amazing. Everybody was there. Everybody was there. The aunts were there. The cousins were there. The friends were there. A lot of friends. We played baseball. We loved baseball. So we threw baseball. We hit baseball. We hit cars with baseballs. We played basketball. 
We dribbled basketballs. We shot basketballs. We made some shots, missed some shots, but we also hit cars with basketballs. We brought our bikes. We built ramps. We'd fly down this big hill and we'd hit the ramp and go off. Sometimes we landed, sometimes we didn't. There was a huge campfire there, big campfire. And I remember it because my, there was this guy named Jason and he, he had a stick and it was pretty flexible and he would roast the marshmallow and as soon as it, it was in full flame, the middle was melted, he would just fly that thing off into the field. Surprised he didn't burn the field down. And then there was cake. You can't have a birthday party without cake, can you? And then there were presents. And the boy opened up one from an aunt and one from a cousin, one from a friend and one from a grandparent. This kept going for a while, a lot of presents because there were a lot of people there. Then it came time for him to open his parents' gift. And, you know, he didn't, you know, really know what he was going to get, but turning 12, that's a big deal, big deal. But his parents handed him a manila envelope like this. And the boy said, well, what is it? What is it? And they said, open it, just open it. He goes, well, what is it? They said, open it. So I did. I opened the envelope and I took out a piece of paper. It looked real legal to me. I couldn't make heads or tails of it. And then that's when I saw it. See, my mom and dad, they're saying, look at your name, son. In that moment, I saw my name written in a way I'd never seen it written before. In that moment, I realized that I had been adopted by my dad. I spent the first 12 years of my life as Chris Richards. But at 12, I became Chris Montgomery. Everybody erupted. I promise you, I jumped about that high off the ground. I wasn't but about that tall, but I jumped about that high off the ground. Everybody erupted. Everybody was cheering. Everybody was crying. I had a dog. It was a blue healer mix. It was right outside the window right there. Pedro was crying. Everybody was crying. I jumped and I jumped and I jumped into my dad's arms as he just cried. And I realized in that moment, he was not just my dad. He was already my dad, but he was legally my dad. I carried his name. And that's what happens in heaven when we come into a relationship with Christ. You see, you may not be blessed like I've been blessed to have two adoptions. But God has invited every one of us to become a part of his family and to be adopted by him. That was my first adoption. My second adoption happened a few years later. A few years later, even though I was raised in church, I knew about church. We went to church. I mean, we, we had to drive 35 minutes to get to church. I don't know about you. That's called commitment in my book, right? I knew church, but I'd never opened the door and let Jesus come into my life. And that may be you today. You may know church. You may be around church. You may know some words to some songs and some Bible verses and have a t-shirt or two, but you really have to open the door to your heart and let him in. A few years later, after my first adoption, God used a man named John 
late night, in a late night conversation at the place where I was working. And he told me verses like Ephesians 1.5 that God's plan has been to adopt me, that I would be his son, a legal heir. And all this happened through Jesus Christ and what he did on that first resurrection Sunday. He told me verses like that and then I went home that night, drove home. I knelt down beside my bed and I gave my life to Christ. And on that day, September 8th, I'll never forget it. I experienced my second adoption. And my question to you today, the reason why you got up this morning and you put on your pastels and uh, your Easter colors and you fought the traffic to get here. We've had thousands of people on the campus this morning. Some people had to drive through fog. The reason why you did all that stuff, wrestle the kids, put them in the cute clothes and that they're just gonna mess up anyway. But the reason why you're here this morning is for me to ask you the question, have you said yes if you felt Jesus knock on the door of your heart and life, and have you said yes and invited him in? There's a lot of really important questions in life. There really are. But I'm here to tell you, and the reason why you're here today is I'm here to tell you that that is the most important one. You see, Jesus, Jesus was the one who opened the tomb so that we could open the door to our lives, to our heart, and let him in. And if you feel him knocking, please answer the door. Please answer the door and say yes, and let him in. Father, right here, right now, in this moment, we are so thankful. Because what you have done has paved the way for us to be a part of your family. And right now for anybody who feels you knocking, Lord, I pray they'll say yes open the door and let you come in. I pray that we would not let this moment pass us by if he's genuinely knocking on the door of our heart. And so Lord, as we celebrate baptisms, Lord, I pray that this would be a testimony to each and every one of us of the power of what you have done in our lives. We thank you because you made a way where there was no way you made a way for us to be a part of your family. And for that, we love you. We thank you for loving us. We pray this in Jesus' good and powerful name. And everybody said,